0: Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio. Today, I'm Darren Hefty. We're going to be talking about when is the best time to buy fertilizer. And guess what? We're doing this show on August 1st. Does it give you any clue as to when that might be? We're talking about it right now because now is the best time, historically speaking anyway, to buy fertilizer. And this is going to be an interesting topic because uh, of course 2019 has just been this exceptional year in so many different ways, many of them bad, uh, but hey, there may be an opportunity here where something could finally break your way. So we want to talk about that on today's program. Also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844 44 ag all through the show. You can find us on Twitter, Ag PhD Media or Darren Hefty. Um, Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Got a lot of emails. Want to try and get into some of those here as the show goes on too. Okay, so let's talk fertilizer. Uh, What are we doing on our own farm? And I think this is one of the things that I learned uh, as a very young agronomist. I, I would start talking about something and inevitably the conversation would turn to, okay, what are you guys and your dad doing on your farm? And when those two things matched up that, Hey, we're talking about now's a great time to buy fertilizer. What are you doing on your farm? We're loading up on fertilizer right now, or we just loaded up last week. Then that would really communicate to the farmer. Uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's probably a pretty good idea because they're putting their money where their mouth is. So uh, what are we doing? Well, we're locking things in right now. And you think about that because most, most years, July and early August, really good time to buy fertilizer. But of course, when the commodity prices start going wild, uh, that, that can really influence things too. Cause we are talking about commodities here. If you're buying nitrogen or you're buying phosphorus or you're buying potassium or whatever you're buying, there's a lot of suppliers out there with very, very similar products. Certainly there are some, some specialty products and, Uh, You know, especially when we get into some of the liquid fertilizers, things are putting in furrow or foliar feeding. There's going to be some big differences. But if you're just talking about, all right, let's talk about 28% nitrogen or urea or um, anhydrous ammonia. Those are commodity products and those prices move up and down. So if your supplier is moving up and down in price and working with you to help you get the best deal out there that's awesome. You're you're probably in a good spot. If you've got a supplier that just likes to load up, kind of average things out, and then, well, here's our price. And it's just kind of there. And well, hey, the market went down. Yeah, no, here's our price then you're probably at the wrong place. So you want to talk to your supplier about that and just say, all right, Hey, I know these prices are going up and down and uh, try and help me buy at the right time so I can save some money too. And I know for our farm, when we started buying our own fertilizer direct, instead of uh, just waiting to see what was going to happen, It saved us money. Now, every once in a while, we would jump the gun and buy a little too early, and the price went down a little bit. There really isn't price protection on most fertility products out there, so it's not like buying crop protection products or uh, even seed for that matter where, hey, there's kind of a set time where this is the lowest price of the year. So fertilizer, it can vary, but but more times than not, this is a great time to buy. Now let's just compare to what, what we were paying this spring or, or even last fall. You look at anhydrous right now, uh, they had a pretty cheap fill program this summer and prices are looking to be down man, maybe a hundred bucks or more from the past spring. So that's a pretty good deal. And if you say, well, anhydrous is my source, uh, I can buy it cheaper now. Yeah, it's often uh, a cheap way to go for a nitrogen. We can debate about which is the best source or or uh, what it's going to do with your soil and all that on another show. But uh, just, just simply looking at prices, it's down. Um, you know, with Urea this year, we're in the north, and so we had a little different issue than, than probably some areas of the country did. But for a lot of guys up in our geography, they prepaid for Urea, and then they couldn't get it. <laughs> with the, the river and just not opening up and having all kinds of issues, uh, supply was really the struggle. And, you know, even though the price was high, uh, some dealers just couldn't get it. And that was, that was a challenge. So uh, that's one, you just want to make sure, you know, if you're buying that particular commodity that you're going to be able to get it. Um, So yeah, it's, it's, uh, I know that was just a mess this year. 28% really haven't heard about any great fill programs so far. Um, Generally there's, Fill programs right around this time, so you may talk with your suppliers on that if you're if you're looking at buying liquid twenty eight percent or thirty two percent, and just see you know hey, have you got any deals right now? Have you got any programs? Uh, and then you can compare it to those other nitrogen sources and see. Uh, what what the cost difference is and if it's worth it for you. I think one of the better things right now in terms of saving money compared to last year uh, with some of these commodity fertilizers has been phosphorus. Uh, like MAP, for example, boy, that's way down compared to to what it was. Uh, a lot of places in the north were paying five hundred to even five seventy five six hundred bucks in the spring, and now you can get it in the low four hundred. So that, that's still not super cheap, but it's uh, a lot cheaper than it was. so that's good. Uh, and potash seems to be fairly stable. Um, not a huge uh, difference in price there. So when when you think about that, where do I want to invest my money? You know, coming up pretty soon here in another month, we start seeing the seed companies offering big discounts. Uh, so many times you'll see seed companies offering, maybe 12% discount, somewhere in that range. So that's usually a pretty good investment. I know for us, we like to lock up seed in September generally, but fertilizer, we like to lock up ahead of that. So here's the thing we run into this question a lot too. Well, I haven't got my financing lined up for next year. Talk to your banker. You got to have a relationship and you got to have regular conversations to say, look, uh, I know I'm not harvesting here for another couple of months. Here's how the crop's looking, here's what we're expecting. Uh, here's here's what I'm going to do and how I'm going to pay you back. But in the meantime, here's a great opportunity for me to save for next year that we really need to be looking at and taking advantage of right now. When is the best time to buy fertilizer? When's the best time to buy each of your crop inputs? It's important to, to kind of follow the trends over time. A lot of the good farmers have, have tracked this and you can ask them, well, what have prices done on your farm in the last 10 years? When has been the best time to buy? And they can tell you that. Uh, So if you're not doing that right now, I challenge you, do it this year. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after
1: this.
2: What if you could protect your soybean plants and reduce yield loss from white mold? Cobra Herbicide can help you jumpstart the natural defenses in your soybean crop against the heavy yield loss white mold can cause. This season's wet weather, cool temperatures, high humidity, and moist soil are prime conditions for white mold and Cobra is a cost-effective way for you to help protect your soybeans. Apply now to jumpstart your fight against white mold with Cobra herbicide. Visit your local retailer today to learn more. Always read and follow label directions.
3: Zero, zilch, zip. That's the total cases of resistance documented with Manzate ProStick. That's right, zero, zilch, zip not all fungicides can say this but manzate pro stick from upl can this multi-site fungicide not only controls walnut blight it plays a critical role in delaying the development of resistance which is why manzate pro stick is the foundation fungicide in all walnut blight control programs for a recommendation contact your pca always read and follow label directions
2: worried about glyphosate resistant weeds and grasses in your corn
4: Fields and higher yields start with a strong battle plan. For soybean growers, there's no stronger ally than Sonic Herbicide. When applied pre emerge, Sonic is proven to defeat yield robbers like water hemp, mare's tail, and giant ragweed. With long lasting residual control, it keeps fighting to defend your field from invaders. Visit battleweeds.com to plan your attack against weeds. Always read and follow label directions. Sir, yes, sir!
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD radio broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about fertilizer. When's the best time to buy? And I'm, I'm biased. I'm in South Dakota. I'm buying in the Northern part of the country, but I know this varies a little bit depending on where you're at and and what kind of deals and supplies and so forth that you have access to. Uh, So want to head a little bit further South, get Donnie with us down in Kentucky. Donnie, when's the best time to buy fertilizer in your area?
4: For next year, yes. Why down here? We never put out much in the fall. Most of us bought in the before the first year, or right after the first year. Prepay it, and then spray it. Come spring.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting where where I'm at. We don't have much moisture, and we've got heavy, heavy soils and we see a lot of P and K go out in the fall. The nitrogen, a lot of that gets held for spring, but but P and K that don't move much, uh, it's different here where you're at. You've got you got some roly ground, lighter soils than what we've got up here and definitely more rainfall and a longer growing season. So a lot of different factors in there. When when guys are uh, are prepaying for fertilizer, uh you know, you see that first of the year being a big part of this conversation and taxes and so forth, I'm I'm assuming. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. Yes,
4: that's that's right. Now, I put some out myself once in a while, pot ice, so it'll break down on my corn and bean crops. But we're in cattle country, too, a lot of pasture and hay. And it'd be good to put it on in the fall. Now, there are a few. I don't want to make a satellite because there's nobody. Sure, There sure. are a few that does it, but majority don't.
0: What do you what see when it comes to trends, Donnie? What are you seeing with nitrogen trends in your area in terms of uh, urea versus liquid versus anhydrous? Which way are guys going?
4: We're going with dry urea and ammonium nitrate. Interesting. We don't have any liquid here or anhydrous in this area. We've yeah. got some rocks and all for anhydrous, you know, and it'd be hard to go okay. through some grounds, you know.
0: How about with micronutrients? Are you seeing more of a trend towards micros? And if so, are there any certain micros guys are targeting, or are they more using blend-type products?
4: No, we uh, use sulfur. We've been using it here for back years ago. We used it on pastures. We have people testifying about it, going out and put ammonium sulfur on pasture fields. And they'd try it, put them one field and not another one, you know. And this guy came in and he said that he had to take the cattle off because they had all the grass eaten off this one, this field, and put them across the fence where he didn't have them on himself. He then sit all the to look across the fence and ball <laughs> 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 That's a true story. Yeah. yeah. And another gentleman standing behind him Darren. And he said, I didn't have it over a whole field, but I put it out in one field, out in the middle. And he said, "They sat out there in just feet all the time out in the middle where that suffer. <laughs> and it does, that suffer really helps her. <clears throat> excuse me, I put it on my corn and beans both. Been doing it for years. <clears throat>
0: Excuse yeah, I think me. I think you're right on the money there, Donnie, that I think more growers across the country are, are catching hold of this, and now the guys that have been doing a small amount, I think they're doing even more, even higher rates.
4: Mm-hmm. And we do, uh, I do too. It took a long time to get people to start using it down here. I told my wife years ago, when you're over on, I was watching you on your TV show, and you were talking about using sulfur. And what it would do and all. And I said, I hope the people down here are all watching (laughs) it. So, you know, I've been preaching for a while about it. And when you all come on with it, I said, I'm so proud to see it that way. People, you know, would believe you all when it's see it on TV maybe more so than it would me, you know, out here telling like I was trying to sell them something, you know, extra.
0: Exactly. That's, that's the challenge is a lot of times guys think if you're talking about something, you're just trying to sell it. But when you have those testimonials, like you say, when guys say, look, I tried it, here's what I saw, it's a noticeable difference. And I think that's the fun thing, you know, for us too, because when we're talking about this stuff, it's because we're actually using it on our farm and, and giving firsthand accounts of what's going on. And I think, uh, I think that definitely resonates with guys. Well, hey Donnie, uh, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today, and good well, luck to
4: you. Oh. If, if you got time, we do zinc too oh. down here on corn beans.
0: Okay, and mainly, and how are also they doing put
4: that? Boron.
0: Are they doing the boron and zinc uh, liquid, dry, uh, and, and dry. what are they
4: doing? Okay, Dr- dry, mostly dry. Sure, mostly dry. Yep. Uh, yeah. Put on with our fertilize.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know, as we, we uh, head to different areas of the country, like you mentioned rocks uh, and and just some of those kinds of concerns. And we're fortunate we don't have that on our farm, so we maybe have some more options that, that guys don't in other parts of the country. But some areas that we travel to, everybody's liquid. Other areas we travel to, everybody's dry. And it kind of gets to be, uh, you know, what, what growers are set up to deal with in, in those certain areas. So, no, I appreciate that, Donnie. And, uh, and thanks a lot. Good luck to you, to you all down in Kentucky this fall.
4: Well, good luck to you all up there, and thanks for calling. You bet. Thanks.
0: Uh, let's head out to uh, Michigan or maybe even Idaho today. We've got Galen Beer with us right now with Liquid. Galen, where are you at? You're all over the country.
5: I I am today, Darren. I'm sitting in the Boise, Idaho airport right now, so hopefully it's not too loud in the background. No, no,
0: no. You're fine. You're fine. Okay, so we were just talking about Donnie, and he said in in their area down in Kentucky, uh, they got a lot of dry fertilizer. Obviously, you're working with liquid fertilizer. What are you seeing in trends uh, with liquid fertilizer? And then also, in terms of being the best time uh, to buy during the season— I look at what these crop prices are doing, I think uh, I think now would be a smart time to be buying fertilizer.
5: Yeah, you know, we're, we're right here, as you know, in the change of the seasons. Everyone's kind of uh, closed the door on fertilizing the 2019 crop and really no wheat planting taking off yet. So you got that lull there, so demand drops and and it's really, generally speaking, just because of uh, the reduced demand, you can go out there and generally find and negotiate better deals on fertilizer in the fall. Now, obviously, there's different deals to be cut. Do you have to store it? Do you, you, know, When do you have to pay for it and things like that? But the fall is typically when I would like to be uh, looking ahead to the next growing season, talking about my fertilizer.
0: How about back home on your family's farm back in Oklahoma? What what is the difference down there? When do guys normally buy stuff? I know you got a lot different climate there than what we face in the north.
5: Yeah, it, it varies. You know, probably three or four years ago, it was very common to uh, buy in the fall. But I will say the longer we've kind of languished with uh, lower commodity prices, it seems like those decisions get later and later every year, and then it was a wet winter this winter, and we had guys making fertilizer decisions in April and May. So that that's not typical. You know, uh, we're arid in the Oklahoma panhandle, and you can actually put nitrogen out even in the fall. Just store it right there in the ground. You don't really have any threat loss over the course of the winter, and, and a lot of guys strip till, So you do have that advantage in that drier climate where you can you can maybe buy that fertilizer and use in-ground storage as opposed to having to put it in a tank all winter.
0: Again, I got about one minute, but at the Ag PhD field day this year, I know there were companies there that had liquid fertilizer storage tanks and they seem to be the rage. A lot of guys were talking about that. Uh, Are there some deals out there to be able to take liquid in the fall? I know a lot of that liquid, especially starter type fertilizer gets moved in the spring, Uh, but if guys have their own storage, is that a good deal?
5: It is. In fact, you know, at Agro Liquid we always run a, an on-farm storage program because, you know, today farmers plant so fast and you kind of want that product at your feet whenever you start going to the field. And so, you know, if a guy's doing business with us, we have on-farm storage to where if they're buying fertilizer, we will cost share that tank. Tanks theirs at the end of the day. But we know that it's better for them and, and for us to get that inventory as close to them, uh, you know, for, for these larger planners to make sure that we don't interrupt that planning process. So uh, it's great to take advantage of it. If you can get it in earlier, usually there's some additional discounts to that as well.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. As fast as, as activities happen on the farm, guys can move through acres really quick. We saw that this spring as soon as the sun came out, uh, the acres went in fast. They weren't able to to wait. They need that stuff on hand. I've uh, been talking with Galen Beer. Galen, uh, safe travels to you, and thanks for, thanks for the talk today.
5: Thanks for having me on, Darren.
0: Yeah. We're talking about fertilizer and when's the best time to buy. Also, taking your agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned.
1: Your independent spirit is more rewarding than ever before. Unlike incentive programs that require growers to purchase a particular seed brand or to bundle certain products, the FMC Freedom Pass program rewards you for making the best choices for your fields. You decide what's best for your operation, from pre-plant to harvest. Your retailer and FMC take care of the rest. It's really that simple. The exclusive agronomic rewards, performance assurances, application innovations, and product financing of the FMC Freedom Pass program make it easier to protect your crops and cash flow. That's what we mean when we say we give you more freedom in the field. You'll experience more control and confidence, too. Generics and imitators can't promise that. Visit your authorized FMC retailer or fmcfreedompass.com to calculate your potential financial incentive and learn more.
6: Imagine the perfect flow of grain from the field to the bin. Imagine a single rotor that ensures both quality and productivity. An advanced system that optimizes harvest settings on the go. You don't have to imagine. With features like AFS Harvest Command, an Axial Flow Combine from Case IH always delivers the perfect flow for your operation. Find out how. Talk to your Case IH dealer today.
7: Foliar sprays are only effective if you can get applied product into the plant. Nutex EDA is a micronutrient-based additive that delivers the foliar absorption boost you've been looking for. Nutex EDA supports rapid penetration and translocation of both nutrients and systemic crop protection within plants. Research trials have shown a 10 to 20 percent increase in nutrient absorption and higher tissue levels for a longer period, resulting in higher yields. Use Nutex EDA this season with all your foliar applications.
6: The last thing you want after harvesting your grain is to spoil it before it goes to market. The Grain Temp Guard from Farm Shop MFG is a low-cost bin monitoring solution that tracks temperature and humidity and alerts you when conditions exceed safe thresholds. Visit FarmShopMFG.com.
2: Tired of that old warped poly boom ruining your spray applications? Express Boom from Hypro is a fully assembled stainless steel boom that ensures an even application of chemicals every time. Don't wait another season. Upgrade today. Hypro, helping you spray better. Using NSERV nitrogen stabilizer with fall
3: fertilizer applications keeps nitrogen available into the spring for maximum crop growth. Field trials in Iowa show NSERV delivered an average revenue increase of $22.96 per acre. And NSERV is the only recognized nitrogen stabilizer product in the Iowa nutrient reduction strategy because it reduces nitrate leaching. That's max profit in an environmentally sustainable way. Calculate your field's profit potential at nitrogenmaximizers.com.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today. And we're approaching this a little bit different. We're talking about when is the best time to buy fertilizer and... I'm already getting a little bit of response. Oh, it's easy, Darren, because you're only putting in one crop per year, so you only need to fertilize once. What about the guys that are growing crops year-round? They're always needing to fertilize, aren't they? Well, let's uh, head out to California and find out. Get our friend Bill Brush with B&B Ag Consulting there. Bill, how are you doing today? Good, Darren.
8: How's right. uh, the, the weather treating
0: you? <laughs> still raining. Still still <laughs> raining. You know, it's been, uh, been an interesting season, but uh, I'm kind of curious about your season. So you've got crops getting harvested all the time, crops getting planted all the time. When do guys fertilize? Do they fertilize between crops? Is that pretty common, or is it just feed the crop as it goes along through the year?
8: Yeah, most of the, the – everybody – beliefs that we uh, are fertilizing all the time, and in certain crops like vegetables where they're cycling three crops per year per acre, yeah, they genuinely are fertilizing almost all year round. But in tree crops, who are basically heavily fertilized in the spring, into the early summer, and then stop, and then post-harvest. So probably, and, and I know the question is, when's the best time to buy I think you know it starts from a lot of reasons. What's the advantage? You know, if you're telling me I've got to store this for six months and my advantage is two or three percent, probably not worth my time because uh, I've got to have my own storage tanks and I have to. Have, I've got money tied up and all the things that go with that. So you've got to. You know, if you think you have to hold it, you know, six months, you ought to be getting at least a five percent price advantage. You know, in California, we get a lot of uh, mid. The late summer uh, prices, good pricing on things like UAN, because if we can keep those plants in the Midwest going for an extra 10 to 20 days, they make a lot of money on that last 10 to 20 days of operation. Those brick-and-mortar type plants, it's a function of how many days they run per year as to how much they can make. So we get some real attractive pricing uh, to compete with, with most of our stuff that's coming in off the uh, off the water out here in california so so those would be i would say the this late summer and early fall if you're looking to do it and if you're making money tax consequences tax reasons is another reason you you know you're going to use the product particularly on these permanent crops uh we're not having to deal with the same things of of saying i don't want to fill all my my tanks and then not be able to plant 40 50% of my acreage because of the weather that we have. A good example, of course, would be this year where you might not have planted that much. Uh, And so those are also – so we look at California as somewhat of a dumping spot for the (laughs) summer and into the early fall before people get their grain harvested, and then they say, okay, this is what we've got, pricing, here's where we think we're going to be, here's what we think we're going to make, and so, okay, we'll go ahead and, and forward buy because we know we're going to use that product as long as that product is attracting. I, I was listening to Galen uh, Beer from uh, AgriLiquids before, and he had a really good point is, is the plant can only produce so much. So yep. it's in their best interest to get it to you ahead of the season. Because once the season goes, that the plant can't keep up with demand. So they have to have some storage in different places. And since it helps them, they're going to help you. And, and that's a good way to look at it. You know, I always look at anything that's win-win. Uh, cheaper price for you, and more storage in their product out helps them. It works on both ends. I think those are, are very, very pertinent. Uh, I would think I would hedge if if I was back there. If I thought ah, I've got a, a less than uh, a fairly decent chance on x number of, gr- of ground that won't be farmable uh, because of floods or water or can't get it planted those I wouldn't, I just can't see there being an advantage of tying up money and not. So, but anything that's protected up, up ground from the rivers and everything that, you know, doesn't flood, those would be a different issue out here. You know, we, uh, you know, we do most of the orchards because of the irrigation system are primarily on liquid fertilizer. You know, they're, they're injecting it through the irrigation system, fertigating with it most of the time. And, uh, And so that is uh, what we have done out here. We've uh, converted a lot of growers over to uh, early spring applications of ammonium sulfate. So when it doesn't leach, and also after a winter here where we might get 12 to to up to 30 inches of rainfall, most of your sulfur will be leached out and you'll be starting naked right when your tree wants to, to really start to take off and draw a lot of energy. So we do a lot of ammonium sulfate. Uh, applications on my growers uh, during that time. Um, you know, if yeah. you're
0: looking for long-term, go ahead. As uh, I go ahead say, down. you mentioned the sulfur leaching, and... That, that makes a lot of sense to me that if we're going to put out leachable nutrients, we're going to have to do that fairly frequently. But what about some of these nutrients like P and K? Let's just say, uh, I know you talk about the, the uh, Albrecht-Kinsey system and, and getting nutrients in balance. Let's just say that you run your base saturation of potassium up to 7%. Because uh, you got a little extra money, or I got a great deal on potassium. It's really cheap this year compared to normal. So let's let's run it up a little higher so I don't have to spend quite as much on that going forward. What do you think of those kinds of strategies?
8: Yeah, when you find a really good deal on potassium that's really cheaper than normal, let me know. And 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 P&K both seem to follow the same pricing structure. But, you know, the the thing that you're saying is, is that, you know, a lot of it is anything you do, if you don't put economics into your equation, you're really kind of just being foolish about it. You know, when you have a crop that's valued out here with some of the value that we have in crops out here, well, obviously, you can afford to build soil numbers up faster than you could back there where, where you've got commodities that are up and down and lately have been down. It's kind of like how much can I feed my cows when I'm losing money on every gallon of milk I produce? Uh, so it all it comes back to economics. And if you have a crop that you're making a lot of money, banking potash uh, isn't really – you can't just put it on and expect you're going to get all out of it. you got to look at those soil conditions where's my pH? If my pH is low enough, I can build potassium. If my pH is seven or above, I'm not going to gain anything by banking a lot more on at that time. I may buy more next year so that I'll put it on more frequently and I'll actually have more plant available, but I'm not really going to build it up. Sure. Pee's a little bit different story. Uh, Peat can be built up uh, with a lot of different ways. It can be built up with compost and manures, but it can also be built up with commercial phosphates too because it has such an affinity for calcium and it really gets doesn't leach unless you just have ungodly amounts of rainfall and there has been some of that and a low water table and a few other things but other than that you can build pee up fairly rapidly almost pound for pound so those are the things that that i would suggest you have extra money and you've got real low phosphate let's build it up
0: Yeah, I I agree. And oftentimes what we found where we're at, I mean, we're a long ways away from some of these fertilizer supplies where trucking is expensive or shipping is expensive. Manure and compost are close. Uh, They've been really good alternatives for us. And and I'm seeing already, uh, well, really across the U.S., I'm seeing a lot of the manure piles uh, getting built up on farms just because guys are taking whatever they can take in anticipation of higher prices later on for fertility.
8: Yeah, and and the thing that you look at is is that it's it's not, you know, if you don't have, what's a good way to put it? If you have no idea what your soil is, you know, and what components are in your soil, then why in the world would you just be throwing things at it and hoping yeah. it works? Yeah,
9: very Instead, good Instead,
8: understand what, have a history, you know, have a photo album of, of multiple soils. So I know my soil. I know it's low in P. I know it's high in K or it's low in calcium. So then I'm going to take advantage of what's in that compost and manure. That's, that's a great uh, you wouldn't point. Put a, you would, yeah, you wouldn't put a fertilizer on your soil if you didn't know the analysis. But why would you put on tons of compost and tons of manure and not have any idea of what was in those yeah things.
0: yeah no you're right you're right yeah it, it comes back to having a good soil uh, sampling program so you really understand what's happening and for us that's meant getting to smaller grid sizes to try to to dial in in different parts of the field and it's really really helped us out getting a better return hey bill we gotta let you run but thank you so much really appreciate all the info and good luck to uh, to everybody out in california thanks
8: again darren talk you to you soon
0: listening to ag phd radio Uh, we're talking about when's the best time to buy fertilizer i think it's been a fun fun uh, trip on this uh, show so far we've been down in kentucky we've been out in california we certainly have a perspective from the northern midwest here Uh, we'll continue to build on that coming up right after this stay tuned
6: no one has to explain stress to a farmer (laughs) that's like explaining wind shear to a pilot Now, Mother Nature stresses corn the way markets, bankers, and politics can stress you. But there's a proven way to reduce stress. With Headline Amp Fungicide, you'll see the difference. It decreases stress from disease, drought, hail, and heat, so your corn can focus on what matters most, better yields. Talk to your local rep about Headline Amp Fungicide and BASF Plant Health. Always read and follow label directions.
8: When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long
6: with the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system for
4: control of more weeds than any other soybean system featuring Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology to manage tough to control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field-proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific
6: requirements in your state. As your corn crop grows and the ear begins to form, potassium is at a high demand, almost as high as nitrogen. The same is true for soybeans with similar high demands of potassium during pot fill. Don't fall behind. Ensure your crop is getting its potassium with Catalyst. Catalyst by ActiGrow has been shown to be the best at entering the leaf when compared to other leading potassium products. Visit k-supercharged.com for more information. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with
9: branded generic herbicides from Atticus LLC. Tough broadleaf weeds are a hassle, but they're no match for Cavallo from Atticus. Cavallo delivers fast, contact, and residual control so your corn, soybean, and sorghum crops can thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit atticusllc.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and
6: follow label instructions. You got in the field, well done. That wasn't an easy task this year. Now give your bean crop everything it needs to get the job done this season. Adding agro-liquid fertilizer to post-emerge spraying passes provides your soybeans with the nutrients needed when the plant reaches the reproductive stage. Foliar feeding soybeans can provide the in-season edge you need to economically and efficiently boost yield potential. We can help you develop a successful nutrition program for your soybeans. To learn more, visit agroliquid.com you're
0: listening to ag phd radio broadcasting from the morton studio today having a fun discussion about when is the best time to buy fertilizer and what do you need to be looking at uh let's head over to illinois we've got bob bailey with us with bailey consulting bob thank you so much for being on Ah, thank you thank you you're welcome all right, I, the, our last uh, guest we had on, Bill Brush out in California, he said, hey, before we get too carried away here, we got to make sure we know these soils and have a good soil testing program uh, so we know what we, we should be buying in the first place, and I guess we probably should have started with that discussion, but I'm sure you get a lot of questions around this about uh, how do I figure out exactly what I need, and then how do I get the best deal?
9: Well, you caught me today out in a field pulling soil samples for a client. Perfect. So yeah, so that we uh, know exactly what he needs and and the amount the right amount and where to put it in the field and where not to put it.
0: You know, I so think that's a that's a real key, where to put these things to get the best uh, best return on your investment. So, what are you finding with with grid sampling or, or zone sampling for customers? How are they working to to dial that in a little tighter?
9: Well, uh, I do uh, zone sampling. always have. And um, we do a lot of variable rate uh, spreading so we can spread one zone and not the next one or so forth across the field. And uh, most guys are are doing this every year, and a lot of them are doing it every other year, but most are every year, uh, so that they always know exactly what they need and exactly where to put it. And that gives them a a better yield, a better crop, and uh, helps them stay in farm.
0: Yeah, that's that's the real key. We want to live to farm again the next year. No <laughs> yeah. doubt about that. Well, and I think it's interesting. You're out pulling these samples right now because historically, uh, July and August have been really good times to buy fertilizer when there's lower demand in Illinois. I mean, yeah. a lot of guys are doing fall or spring applications. Are you seeing a trend that way in terms of uh, how guys are spreading out their fertility applications? Are they doing more or less stuff in the fall on a normal year?
9: Well, Most everybody that I work with and most farmers in this area fall apply fertilizer. And the reason they do that, well, there's two reasons. One is that come spring, first thing they want to do is get the seed in the ground, and they don't want to waste time putting on a lot of uh, fertilizer. And if the ground's a little wet, a big floater going across the field does leave some tracks in the field that sometimes last a long time. Sure. Plus, the other thing, the other reason for putting it on in the fall is that most everything has to be uh, treated or affected by soil bacteria. And that makes more available plant food. And the longer that fertility element, phosphorus, potash, whatever it is, uh, is in the soil, the more time there is for the soil bacteria to do their job, to work on it, and uh, keep a high level of available plant food in that
0: soil. You know, we, we've uh, grown up on a farm here where we're, it seemingly is frozen like nine months out of the year in South Dakota, but I know it's not that long. But, but yeah, our, our frost comes out sometime in April normally, mm-hmm. and that yeah. was always Dad's thing, too. He's like, I want to have that fertility done because as soon as my field's fit, I want to try and plant Because we've got a relatively short growing season, and I know where you're at in Illinois, you got a little bit longer growing season, but you get a little longer
9: growing season. But it's better to get the crop in early than it is late.
0: Yeah, and I like your talk about the compaction, and that's one. You know, certainly this fall we're going to have to deal with a lot of compaction issues out there (laughs) because guys didn't get a chance last fall uh but yeah. you know when we're making that spring application we're risking that there, there's no question about that right. what, what are you right. seeing as you're pulling these soil samples out there not just on this field but on other farms that you're on uh, are you seeing some big issues this year with compaction
9: uh yeah i i see some uh big issues that and when i try to take a soil sample in certain areas i can't even get the probe in the ground it's so hard well the crop looks like nothing there you know it's not very pretty Uh, so we're going to have to deal with this compaction issue since like you said we did not get it done last year and as late as some of these crops are going to be it might not get done this fall either which I don't know how we deal with that yeah it's (laughs) got to it's it's got (laughs) to
0: even out sometime doesn't it Bob I mean because we've had to go through this we've got to have a long dry fall (laughs) at some point
9: yeah, so, yeah, but let's not get it too dry.
0: No, that's right. we got to be careful what we wish for. Well, I, I'm glad you guys are out there getting it done right now in August because yes. it's, it's such a limited time frame uh, once we get into October and later, and you just never know. Oh,
9: absolutely. Right. And when you're getting soil samples done in October, uh, then you have problems getting things like limestone, and uh, you're late getting it on. And some years you just don't get it on, which happened last year to a lot of people. It just got late and they didn't get anything done. Yeah. And uh, they had to do it this spring or else just forget about it and hope that their fertility was good enough so that it would last through this growing season.
0: That's a great synopsis of 2019. <laughs> it was, uh, we didn't get it on. We couldn't get it on. Uh, we really wanted to get it on. And then the other side of it was we ordered stuff and they just couldn't even get it to us. So, That's yeah, right. it was. It was a disaster, and there's going to be a lot of makeup in 2019. Now uh, we're talking with Bob Bailey oh, with Bailey yes. Consulting out in Illinois. Bob, uh, good luck to you. I know you got a got a lot of work to get done, and certainly uh, growers in your area have a lot of work to try and build things back up after the last couple of years. But uh, but glad oh, you're yeah. glad you're getting yeah. after it out there. And thanks for sharing with us today.
9: Oh yeah, thank you. You're welcome. You bet. So.
0: Uh, we've, got, uh, we've got John with us right now in western Wyoming. John, uh, thanks for calling in.
3: Yes, hello, John. Uh, my problem up here is that we had plenty of moisture, but it was so cool in the spring. We're at 7,400 feet, and it's grass hay meadows. And is there anything besides fertilizer that can actually produce a better crop? It's one one crop. And it it's, um, certainly didn't produce yet this year because short growing season got even shorter with the late cold spring.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, we were we were cold at 1,500 feet. So I can only imagine at 7,400 feet uh, what conditions were like. And yeah, we had such a late, late spring that uh, it was a challenge here. You know, when we look at, at the grassland, what's been really interesting, John, talking to to uh, farmers and ranchers around the country. We're hearing more guys doing soil sampling in those situations and looking for you know, any answers that, that maybe we haven't found before. And I know for our pasture here, uh, we had Donnie on in Kentucky earlier and he was saying how they just added sulfur onto some of these pastures and it was amazing the difference that the cattle noticed it and they went to those areas and just grazed hard in the areas where they had spread sulfur versus where they hadn't. So you just don't know what that nutrient's going to be until you do some sampling. So I'd encourage you to do some sampling. The other thing that we found on our farm and And uh, certainly a lot of farmers and ranchers around the country utilizing gibberellic acid in the spring and also in the fall. Uh, Products like Rise Up Smart Grass have been shown to increase grass growth and tonnage. Uh, and that would be another little option that you would have. It generally works best when you've got daytime highs, uh, 60s, maybe 70 degrees. Uh, you can still extend your your grazing or haying window a little bit longer into the early spring or into the late fall. So that'd be the two things I'd recommend. Do do some complete soil samples. Just see what you learn. Uh, if it's, you know, grassland, it has been grassland forever. Maybe you don't see this huge fluctuation as you go across, but, but maybe you do with some of the elevation changes that you've got in your area okay
3: well that uh that certainly sounds good the gibberella is something I might have heard from you in the past and um and uh it it does get up to sixty but probably not till May and uh going into June.
0: Yep. Yep. So once we're once we're getting those daytime highs in the upper 40s, maybe 50, that's when I jump on this, and that'll really accelerate that early grass growth. The gibberellic acid's okay. a natural hormone that the the grass will be producing in the root system but it doesn't push it up through the plant until you start getting up in the 70s usually that's that's usually when you see all the grass normally start to take off but by applying some of this uh, and you can do it even in organic situations too so if you've got an organic herd or or somebody that's buying the hay and they want it organic you can still utilize gibberellic acid that would be uh, a good way to go hey John thanks for the call really appreciate it we'll be right back after this
7: How do you know when to run your grain bin fans? There's an app for that. With the Steps GMS app, you can manually turn your fans on and off from your smartphone. You can also configure the Steps GMS app to automatically turn fans on when the humidity or temperature is ideal to keep your grain in top quality condition. Save yourself some time and take the guesswork out of managing your stored grain with the Steps GMS app. Contact us at StepsGMS.com for more information.
6: You got in the field. Well done. That wasn't an easy task this year. Now give your bean crop everything it needs to get the job done this season. Adding agroliquid fertilizer to post-emerge spraying passes provides your soybeans with the nutrients needed when the plant reaches the reproductive stage. Foliar feeding soybeans can provide the in-season edge you need to economically and efficiently boost yield potential. We can help you develop a successful nutrition program for your soybeans. To learn more, visit agroliquid.com.
2: What if you could protect your soybean plants and reduce yield loss from white mold? Cobra Herbicide can help you jumpstart the natural defenses in your soybean crop against the heavy yield loss white mold can cause. This season's wet weather, cool temperatures, high humidity, and moist soil are prime conditions for white mold, and Cobra is a cost-effective way for you to help protect your soybeans. Apply now to jumpstart your fight against white mold with Cobra Herbicide. Visit your local retailer today to learn more. Always read and follow label directions.
10: Build with the best. When you choose Morton Buildings for your next farm storage building, you'll experience the Morton advantage at every step, starting before the walls even go up. Since the value of our buildings is in its ability to protect what you have stored inside, we ensure that every component is researched and tested to withstand the elements in all weather conditions. And we back it up with the strongest warranty in the business. Looks better. Built stronger. Lasts longer. Learn more
6: at MortonBuildings.com.
3: Every farmer knows that in order to be profitable, you need to maximize the return on your crop input investments. Hi, I'm Scott harms, an agris specialist with Grain PHD. Without an effective and flexible strategy, your grain marketing plan gets stuck in the mud. With Grain PHD, you get the clarity and guidance a solid marketing plan needs. Our free GrainBridge software simplifies your cost-profit analysis, and our risk specialists are here to help you develop your plan. Sign up today at grainphd.com.
0: Talking fertilizer on today's Ag PhD radio show when's the best time to buy fertilizer in your area and certainly there are a lot of factors that come into this and uh, one of those factors uh, we were just talking with Bob Bailey with Bailey Consulting out in Illinois about just getting good soil samples taken and kind of understanding where you're at. Uh, I've got Gary on with us now up in Saskatchewan. Gary, how you doing?
10: Doing well. How about you?
0: Pretty good. Pretty good. What can we help you with today?
10: well, uh, you're talking about buying fertilizer, and we got some decisions to make up here this time of year also um we're looking at spreading on some micronutrients broadcasting okay uh, um to get two pounds copper, three pounds boron, and six pounds zinc um our blend our product blend would be fifty four pounds an acre of product going. Is that uh, going to give us enough distribution of that small amount of actual micros?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, we, we've done even smaller spreads than that. Uh, and sometimes we've done pretty good. And other times, uh, depending on the operator and uh, the equipment that we're using, we haven't done very well. Uh, in fact, we had done some, um, some product, I think we were trying to put 24 pounds of total product out. And we thought, oh, yeah, we can do that. We can do that. And it did not work out very well for us, but it has worked in some cases. So, yeah, depending on what you got for equipment, they could spread that accurately uh, if you had a really good blend. Great. You know, the challenge is on some of those blends, if the the density of those three different products you're mixing together is wildly different, uh, that, that could be a challenge. And unless you got multiple bins that you're pulling out of in your air cart.
10: They're all put together, and because of you guys giving me a heads up on that, I've
0: questioned them
10: fairly intensely about that, and they promise me they are meant to blend together well.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, they're
10: I- also pointing out a product that would be a lot less actual micronutrient going out there, uh, but it would be part of a uh, coating on our foss and potash granules, so it would get Uh, you know, very nice distribution because so many more pounds an acre going out.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah, there there have been a lot of guys doing that and and for the most part they've had good luck with that. But like you say, it's, they can only put so much on those granules. So, uh, so yeah, how, what can you get on if you did it that way?
10: Well, the product they have and the amount we would put on, you only get uh, three quarters of a pound of actual zinc and just about half a pound of actual boron. Okay. Which isn't too bad, I guess, if you were doing that every year. Uh, I was leaning more towards putting on a, a fairly heavier rate of micronutrients once.
0: Sure, And then sure.
10: maybe not again for a lot of years.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. If uh, if a guy could do that every year uh, and you're putting on more than you're taking off, eventually you're going to build up to where you got something good. But uh, where where you're at, you guys generally have pretty heavy soils, correct?
10: Yeah, very heavy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'd be going for it and putting it all out there in one shot if it was me. Uh especially at the rates you're talking about. We've done uh those rates and beyond uh to, to try to build things up. So yeah, I, I would definitely uh I would definitely go with your lowest cost and uh quickest way to yeah. get that out there.
10: Last question, would you prefer a spin spreader or uh like an air boom spreader?
0: Well, we end up using a spinner spreader on our farm and doing it ourselves, but uh, certainly a properly adjusted air cart can can do you know a fine job too. I uh, just I would just watch you know if you're having somebody else do it, I I would just be out there and watch and check in on them frequently and make sure that they're getting the kind of spread pattern that they're they're uh, hoping to get. And yeah, it, it, you can definitely be successful with either. Okay, very good. Thanks so much. You bet. Thanks a lot, Gary. Really appreciate it. All right, let's jump into the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, i got a question. This first one comes from Jeff, and Jeff is in Ohio. He said, all right, I've picked up on uh, listening to your program this summer, and I was inspired to start tissue sampling, so I'm attaching some results that we've got here. Um, Sandy loam ground, we got planted on time, mid-May, uh, farm fertility overall is good. This was uh, a dairy for many years. We variable-rated P&K and, and put ammonium sulfate at a flat rate across the field. Uh, we put on 40 units of end with the planter and 150 units side-dressed, um, and then it's turned somewhat dry since then. At pollination is pretty hot. Uh, but anyway, I'm curious. We've, we've got a pivot out here, and uh, we can Fertigate. I'm sending you some tissue test results, wondering what you would recommend. Also, we are going to put fungicide on. Could we mix in a micro like boron into an aerial application? You certainly could. You certainly could put on boron that way. Uh, that, that would be, uh, you know, for the most part, okay, too. We're doing a lot of the, um, well, depending on what rate you do, of course. Uh, so, yeah, I, I look at your boron as from this one test, Uh, it looks really low to me. Uh, but yeah, I'm just looking at what our parts per million tests have been showing on boron. Yours is at two and we're seeing a lot of ours in the 10 to 20 range. Uh, so yeah, we've got a ways to go on, on that boron, on our zinc. We're pretty low and I'm just looking across the board. Wow. Other than iron is, is really good. Um, you know, copper is a little bit low, not terrible. Uh, we've really got some low boron and low zinc and low manganese numbers that we're dealing with. So for me, I'd, I'd start doing, and I don't know what your soil samples look like, Jeff, but I'd, I'd be really interested to see where are we at for soil pH? Where are we at for nutrient levels on our soil test to, to start comparing here? Do we have plenty out there in the soil and we're struggling getting it into the crop that could be partly due to just that you've been dry I don't know what your irrigation schedule has been like uh, and, and if you're overly dry, we see this on our dry land farm that we struggle getting some of those nutrients in uh, during those dry spells. But that would be something to look at with the micros. With, uh, with nitrogen levels, you know, I'm not sure what your yield goal is here. Uh, you're right at about 3% on nitrogen, and we're generally trying to run a little bit higher than that. Uh, your sulfur levels um, at 0.2, we're generally running twice as much of that. Uh, so I, I know that we've got a little ways to go on some of these, um, you know, with the phosphorus and potassium, depending on your yield goal. Again, uh, we're generally running uh, close to half a percent on, on phosphorus and uh, potassium. We're generally running over three. So, yeah, I, th- I think you've got a ways to go on quite a bit. I, I would recommend that you put a little more fertility out there with your pivot. Uh, I'd probably put a complete blend out uh, with, with NPK sulfur and micros and try and move things along and, and see how you do with that. Uh, and then I'd really look at getting your soil sampled in the fall and start pushing for, for a little higher fertility out there, just based on what I'm seeing here. And granted, this is just one sample, uh, I think we we've got a little ways to go if we want to be at a 250 plus bushel yield goal. So, anyway, if, yeah, if you want to send some soil samples in, we'd be happy to take a look at those too, Jeff, and try and diagnose. You know what we could do to to push more nutrient into the crop, and uh, and with the fungicide, boy, it sure looks like a good idea this year. It looks like we've got pretty high disease risk. Uh, across much of the corn belt. So uh, I think I'd be looking at that too. Thanks for the question, Jeff. We really appreciate that and hope I didn't beat you up too bad there. That's not my intention. Just uh, just saying we've we're glad you're doing the tissue testing. I think we had a little ways to go to get uh, up into some of those higher yield goals that that you'll be looking for. Got another question from Ohio. This one comes from Vaughn He says I've been scouting fields and I noticed in a bean field, we've got some areas where the plants are about half the height. Also, we've got some brittle cupped leaves and variegated, variegated leaves. So I sent you some pictures uh, so you can hopefully help me figure out what's going on. You know, one of the things I noticed, we've got some yellow leaves with green veins. And a lot of times we associate that with iron deficiency chlorosis. And there are other nutrient deficiencies that can look similar to that. Uh, so I do some testing out there to see where your soil pH is at. If your pH is over 7, I'd start working on those areas to try and get that pH down a little bit and I think that could help you. I'm wondering if we've got some low areas of the field here and if there's any potential that we may have had some drift down into those fields with some herbicide. We we normally see stunting if we've got iron deficiency, chlorosis or a nutrient deficiency. So that could explain the shorter plant uh, with the cup leaves. It could just be a weather stress thing going on, but uh, who knows? Could potentially be a herbicide drift with a 240 or a dicamba type product as well. And if it was in lower areas of your field, I could see an air inversion uh, drop things in there like that too. So I, I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but I'd start with a, with a soil test out there and see see what you can figure out from there. Hey, Vaughn, thanks for the thanks for the email. And if you've got additional tests you want us to look at, we'd be happy to follow up. Thanks for listening to our show today. And be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. Now stay tuned for Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer Radio.